Hey, welcome to the Revenue Accelerator. I just surprised my guest today by hitting the record button without giving him warning. So I have today Chad Allen. Um, thank you for having a really easy name um, to pronounce and spell. And you guys can go check out more at chadallen.com. And I'm just going to let you kind of introduce yourself. So tell us, Chad, who you are and really why people should care. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Kat, it's great to be on with you. So I spent 20 years in the book publishing industry. My job was to bring books under contract. So I reviewed many, many book projects, book proposals. My job was to decide, does this go on to the publishing committee or does this go into the recycling bin? Um, eight years ago, started blogging um, because in my role, I, I in the corporate role, I had to say no a lot to writers and the blog was an opportunity for me to say, yes, yes, you can build an audience. Yes, you can great, you can develop a great book concept. Yes, your writing can be engaging, et cetera. And that just over time became uh, a business. I started with a course called Book Proposal Academy. Uh, then I started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. Then I started a membership program called Book Camp. And now I just do those three things as well as some others. And um, so that's what I do now. And yeah, I blog at chadrallen.com. Oh, my bad. No worries. <laughs> we'll fix that. It, it'll be in the show notes for the, out any um, issues. So um, those middle initials, right? So um, you said something right at the beginning in terms of growing audiences. So, you know, I know that, I mean, I've, I've, I've had a couple bestsellers, by the way, Um <laughs> And in the process of launching uh, my next book as well with a co-author. So what does having an audience have to do with actually creating a, you know, successful uh, book experience, if you will? Yeah, well, it matters regardless of whether you're going self-publishing or traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. I come out of the traditional publishing industry, so I'll, I'll speak to that a bit. Because um, a lot of a lot of authors want to know why can't I write just a great book and get a book deal? Why do I need to also have an audience, have this this word platform? And the reason is because that as uh, retailers, you know, get fewer and fewer in number. Um, although independent booksellers have seen a bit of a bump recently, um, although with the pandemic, I don't even know if that's true. Um, overall. Um, the number of retailers is decreasing mm -hmm. and the number of places where publishers can sell a book is decreasing. And so increasingly uh, publishers are having to go direct to consumer, direct to the readers. And the best way for them to do that is by partnering with authors who already have readers. So when you submit a proposal, you're in competition with authors who have done the hard work of mm. building an audience. And so it's a way of landing a book deal, but, but even beyond that, it's just a way of selling books to have an audience. So whether you're self-publishing back, back to where I started, whether you're self-publishing or traditional publishing, it's extremely helpful to, to have that audience. That's, I mean, I mean, it really comes down to organic, you know, when I talk about organic legion and you're talking about building an organic experience with the audience and all that, um, what would be something that you would share with someone as it relates to building their audience um, so that they can set themselves up for success? Yeah. Well, you know, what I find as I work with writers is they haven't picked the, the low hanging fruit yet. Um, they haven't sent a hundred individual emails to their friends and family and said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. It seemed like something you might be interested in. Do you want in? Because 95 of them 
um, will say, if not a hundred of them, will say, yeah, why didn't you tell me about this sooner? I mean, they're there. And those are some of the most important people to have on your email list um, because they're the ones who are going to share mm-hmm. what, you, you know, your content, even if they're not in your target market, they will still share it. And they are connected to people who are in your target market. So that's where I start. Somebody called that the eager sneezer method. You know, these are the f- people who are eager to share. Uh, eager sneezer doesn't sound so good during a pandemic, but yeah. anyway... <laughs> But anyway, that's that's the I idea. I kind of feel like I need to wipe my face right now. <laughs> exactly right, right. So, um, so that's that's. I mean, there's all kinds of tactics, but that's one of the first ones that I that I teach. Yeah, I mean, really, kind of a grassroots approach to you know. I mean, I talk about you are already connected to your next client. And so many times people are always trying to make things harder than it actually needs to be by trying to warm up cold people. Whereas you probably have a huge pool of already warm connections who just need a little bit more information to get to that next level. How have you seen like a book make a difference in someone's business? I mean, you know, people kind of like, well, you know, they they think about writing a book and they think that they can potentially retire on the book sales. Mm -hmm. What's your philosophy around book and business? Well, it is often a game changer. Uh, in fact, I was just on a, I was in a, a webinar recently and somebody I'd worked with who, who, who I'd acquired um, was in the chat room and I saw her and I said, what was the name of your book again? I was trying to remember it. And she told me, and she's like, it was, it's been a total game changer. So I don't, I'm not just using that word because it's a fun word. I'm using it because I just heard it from an author I worked with. But it's often a game changer in different ways than than writers expect. Mm-hmm. Um, the one way of getting at it is I don't know many people who have made millions of dollars from sales directly from their book. But I do know people who've made millions of dollars from indirect sales of their book. So whether it's back-end sales where you know the book becomes a lead generator for a course or for coaching or for whatever... Or um, it's, it doesn't uh, necessarily point people to a course or a product, but it at least brings people into a funnel. Um, th- those are the ways that I've seen it really have a big impact. And of course, that's not, that doesn't say anything about the impact that a book can have in a reader's life, the change mm-hmm. that it can make in a reader's life and in, and in, a, in a, a culture of some kind. Um, so, and, and most writers will, will say that that's even more important than the financial, but obviously we have to worry about the financial too. So, I mean, uh, so those are some things that I've, yeah, yeah. Those are some things I've observed. So what do you think sets apart someone who, you know, let's say all things equal this, we've got two people, two entrepreneurs, we'll use that example, um, who have, you know, uh, an audience of some kind, they've got some engagement and both of them decide to write a book. What do you think would separate one from the other in terms of the impact? Like you were just talking about that the book could have, like, what are, maybe Mm. what is it? What do you really need to think about when you're writing the book? That's good. So I talk about the three C's of successful publishing concept, crowd, which is your platform, and craft, C-R-A-F-T. And when it comes to concept is actually really important. The the definition, my definition for a good concept is one that meets a real need, real people really have in a unique way. And that is put on display really in the title and subtitle. Um, Mm. So... So concept is really important. So if those two entrepreneurs, 
you know, one of the things that can make a big difference is this concept is speaks directly to a reader's need in a unique and compelling way. And that book gets noticed because of it. This one, you know, it may miss, uh, it may speak indirectly to a need, or it may speak to a need the author thinks the reader has, but really the reader has this other problem. Um, and maybe the book even solves that problem, but it's not mentioned in the title or subtitle, so they miss it, you know? So that's one. The, then crowd is, is the size of your audience. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, how well is it written? With the quality of the writing still really matters. And oh, books wow. that are a good read uh, are passed on more than books that aren't. So that too really matters. It's I've I've seen some pretty big names out there and they've had, you know, every typically there's a book of some kind. And a lot of times if the book almost feels like a bookmark, right? Not the there's no actual quality inside of it, but it was done to check a box kind of situation. And I've opened the book and actually started reading it because let's be real. A lot of people don't actually read the books. How many of us, right? Hands up, have a pack of books, a stack of books on our nightstand that yep. somehow just by buying it through osmosis, <laughs> we've consumed the information and it's readily available. I feel better that I bought it now. Um, yeah. So I guess the question is, is how can you get someone from actually buying the book to consuming it versus mm -hmm. just buying it to, because, you know, it was an easy buy or they saw a speaker or something like that. Yeah, I think that all comes down to, is this is this good writing? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we finish Harry Potter because it's that good, you know, and we, we want to- We read it multiple times over because it's yeah, that good. Exactly. And so, and nonfiction um, is, you know, uh, nonfiction can use the tools of fiction to engage the reader and keep moving them forward. I talk a lot about the difference between abstract writing, which is teaching principles, thoughts, um, discursive writing versus concrete writing, which is story, uh, illustration, quotes, images, metaphors. And the best communicators push as much writing to that concrete level as possible. I mean, that's just one one um, tactic for making your engaging your writing more engaging. Absolutely. I mean, story-based marketing is one of the most effective. I mean, it's the one thing that's been kind of, that's why we have stories, right? They've been passed down from generation to generations. Of course, there's, yep. you know, little embellishment that always happens. But, um, you know, when you're looking at like the structure of a chapter, I'm just going to mm. go right there. Like, yeah. what are you looking for? Especially because you talked about this concrete, which, you know, the irony of talking about stories and imagery and metaphors and having it be concrete, right? More concrete than something that's actually very task specific. Um, I love it. Um, how would you, like, what would you encourage someone to structure their chapter like to create that engagement, to create that, um, you know, that, that imagery that helps continue the reader um, turning the page? Yeah. Well, I, I always start with, well, not, I don't always start, but one tactic for sort of getting out what's inside so that you have a sense of what the content is, is to ask yourself, you know, so let's take the example of just a chapter. So let's say this is a chapter on, I don't know, um, revenue generation. <laughs> Great topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one way to get at what you have to say is to ask, what's the most important thing I have to say about generating revenue? And, and so you, you write it out. Here's the most important thing I have to say. And then you ask, okay, what's the next most important thing 
I have to say. And so just going through that process will get out kind of the, the, the big columns that are going to hold up the foundation of the, or the roof, whatever this, where, wherever I'm going with this metaphor, uh, hold up the roof of this edifice that you're creating this chapter. And so uh, once you have that, then you can be, begin thinking about, okay, what's the most compelling way for me to write about each of these topics? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do I invite the reader in? What's the opening that is going to capture their attention, whether it's a story or a metaphor or an illustrate, whatever it is. Often it's a story, let's be honest. Um, uh, and then, you know, w- when it comes to that first principle that I want to teach them, what's the most engaging way that I can, that I can convey that information? And so, and you just keep asking that question. Obviously, they should be sequenced in a way that makes logical sense. Um, but anyway, so that's we're not rough. talking about a movie script here, right? Like it needs right. to kind of progress naturally versus let's flash back and flash forward 52 times. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I think most, there's a lot of great memoir that's just told in a very direct, straightforward, mm. chronological way. And I think that's often the best way. So, but yeah, that's how I would, how I would suggest um, writing a chapter. So with, um, you know, the, a lot of my audience here are entrepreneurs and, and, you know, experts and influencers, what would be the thing that you see most people make a mistake with when it comes to maybe launching their book or getting it out there in a bigger way? Um, Not planning until the book is out. I've seen so many people, especially self-published writers, they, all their focus is on getting the book out there, which of course is important. You want a great cover, you want great copy on the, on the back cover, et cetera, et cetera. All the focus goes on that. And they haven't thought about what I, I refer to a three-phase marketing plan, pre-launch, launch, and post-launch. Mm-hmm. What do you do with the six weeks before the launch to get ready? And I think putting together a launch team is a really good idea. Um, what do you do during the launch phase, the first, let's say, three to six months of release? And then what do you do a year later that's mm-hmm. going to keep the book in front of people? Who are the people you can talk to about uh, their book launches that, that you can maybe take notes from and build your own plan so that when that book releases, you don't, you're, you're not standing there flat-footed going, oh, maybe I need to tell some people about this. But you, you actually have a plan week by week. Here are the things I'm going to be doing. Um, so that's the biggest mistake. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of intentionality. I mean, you're going to put all this time and effort into writing something. We're going to assume of quality that you're actually wanting to deliver value to the reader. Um, and then why waste all that effort by just kind of, you know, sitting on the sidelines pretty much. Um, so what's like you support people in doing this, right? From going from getting published to launching fully. Um, Mm -hmm. So what would you say is, you know, a lot of people kind of get hooked on the, I want someone to publish me, right? There's a Mm -hmm. a prestige about, you know, desiring to be a New York Times bestseller. And then there's kind Mm -hmm. of a, uh, not so much anymore, but there used to be a big shame about self-publishing. So what should people really be focusing on when it comes to those two options? Yeah, I'm a big fan of both models. And then now there's a third, a third player uh, on the on the block, uh, and that is hybrid publishing. Yep. Um, and um, so that's where you you are paying for somebody to help you get your book published. Um, so um, 
I'm a big fan of all the different models. I, I still believe in the value of traditional publishing. I was just listening to an interview with somebody recently and they were talking about um, how he, he was a fan of self-publishing because you get to retain all the rights. And I could see how for entrepreneurs, course creators and so on, they'd be very concerned about losing, losing their rights, losing their ability, for example, to create a course based on the same content that's in a book, right? But you could usually negotiate all of that. Um, uh, audio rights, you know, entrepreneurs may, may wanna publish their own audio book even if they have a traditional book deal. And sometimes they can. Um, oftentimes there are good reasons to let a publisher uh, handle that. Um, but I still believe in the value that, uh, that a traditional publisher provides in terms of the editorial process, the marketing process. They, they still will need you to do some marketing, but they'll have their own marketing budget and their own experience and their own expertise about how to, how to promote your book. And I still believe in the value of their distribution. They don't have as many... Uh, retailers as they used to have, but they still have connections to retailers that you don't have uh, as, as an individual author. So, um, so if somebody is leaning towards traditional publishing, I always encourage them to give it a shot because everything you do to pursue a traditional book contract is 100% transferable to self-publishing or hybrid publishing if it doesn't work out with a traditional publisher. So it's not, not like any of that that work is wasted. You may have you may have burned a little time in pursuing a traditional publisher, but actually not much. Um, so those are some things to keep in mind. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I know that there's the the chicken and the egg, right? Um, and we talked a little bit about this at the beginning of what comes first: the audience for the book, or you use the book to build the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, that second piece is kind of what we didn't totally hit on. Mm-hmm. What is your what do you what do you think is you know, how do you break the cycle? <laughs> Which one is it first? <laughs> yeah, well, it all has to do with, you know, uh, what, what's the saying about putting the emphasis on the right syllable, you know? I love that term. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I think if you're, if you are uh, writing a book to build an audience, then the building of the audience is the main thing. Mm. If you're building an audience to launch a book, then the book becomes the main thing. So it just, it all depends on what your goals are. And, um, you know, I self-published a book years ago, a very short book called Do Your Art. And the main purpose of it was to help me generate an audience to, to, but, but I self-published it for that reason. It wasn't meant to be, you know, a viable commercial product out there. It was meant to to generate leads. I was, mm-hmm. It was basically, you've probably heard of Jeff Goins who talks about writing your manifesto to build an audience. Well, my subtitle was a manifesto on rejecting apathy to bring your best to the world. So this was this was my manifesto, but it was in the form of a, of a book and self-published it, got it out in a month. You know, that is one advantage of self-publishing. You can do it very quickly. Yeah, you, can. you and I could release a book by dinner, you know. My you first bestseller I wrote when I had a two-month-old, I wrote it in two weeks and I had it out within a month and still got yeah. bestseller status. So, yeah. What a world we live in, right? <laughs> um, so, so that is... Um, that's one way to go. And, and it worked really well for me to, to begin growing an audience. Um, if I was going to, to spend the time and effort to write, you know, a longer book that, that I really gave myself the space to develop some ideas. 
and to do something that what was meant to be a commercially viable product, uh, I would build the audience first, you know? Um, so it just, it just depends on, on what's of most important, you know, what's of most importance to you. I really love, I mean, a lot of what I've taken away from today's conversation is one that writing a book is a, there's a marketing plan, right? It, there is a process to do it successfully. It's not a fly by night kind of experience, though you can do it fly by night. Uh, if you're looking for that bigger impact and bigger revenue payout, there really needs to be some strategic thought in it. Um, and really kind of, it really amplifies, I talk about technology of, uh, like this, which is technology amplifies what you already have working. So the mm. book in a way amplifies what you already have working. So if you've got that audience and you've got a business that's, you know, creating some, you know, some level of success, or you've got a reputation within your niche and industry, then the book really helps you create that next step to get on that big stage in a way. Um, mm-hmm. so it I mean, builds credibility. Yeah. Right. Oh, and that's like a big piece we actually didn't talk about, which is, you know, it's a big factor in, you know, helping establish that authority and expertise. Yes. Yes, it is. And I, I've talked to many writers who they saw an uptick in their, you know, speaking engagements because mm-hmm. of a book. Um, if you're if you're a podcast host and you're thinking about having somebody on on a particular topic and one has written a book about that topic and the other one hasn't, the one who's written the book would tend to win out. So um, so yeah, that's, that's a big piece. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I just, I just want to encourage your, your audience. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, uh, upwardly mobile, successful entrepreneurs who are looking for the next level or just next level financially, but also the next level of impact. Mm-hmm. And I would just say, you know, make sure, you know, what's primary, is this an audience builder or is this going to be a change maker in and of itself? Probably they want it to be both. But um, I would just say, yeah, give some time to that, the concept development, uh, to the craft piece, like write a great book, you know, hire the editors that you need to write a great book, um, and then take your time and develop a marketing plan. Um, and I think, I think their book will be a lot more successful as a result. Oh, beautiful. Um, and I just have one more question because it popped in my head. So other than like, you know, getting speaking engagements, being able to build your audience, what are some other opportunities that writing, you know, a quality book can, you know, give you as an individual and your business potentially? Yeah. I mean, sometimes entrepreneurs ask me like, why would I even do this? Like, I'm fine. I'm fine without a book. You know, I don't really need it. Why would I put myself through all the, the, turmoil and the, and the trials to put, to put together a book. Why add more stress in my life? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and clearly like there's a timing to these things, you know, this may not be the right time, but what, what I've seen again and again is that books have a permanence uh, that matters. It becomes a calling card. Um, It encapsulates uh, kind of a snapshot of your wisdom on a particular topic at a particular time that sticks around for a while. It is a piece of your legacy um, mm. that will continue long after you're gone. So, um, and there are also really good business reasons to write a book that we've we've already covered. So, um, it's it's not for everybody, clearly, but um, but for, for for the majority, I mean, I I don't know many writers who, when they get a box of their books in the mail, they go, "Ah, oh, I wish I hadn't done that." You know, <laughs> it's usually a big celebratory moment. Right? because they put their blood, sweat and tears into this thing. And now it arrives and then they get to chase it out into the world and see it do it's, it's good work, you know? Um, 
So anyway, there's a smattering of reasons to think Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, everyone can, not everyone does. And yes. the people who do are the ones who can set themselves apart. And that's why it's admired and it raises your expertise and authority because you took the time to do it. Um, yeah. So Chad, you have been like, extremely generous with sharing insights and all that. How can people learn more about you? Cause I know I went and checked out your website and there's a ton of stuff on there for be, people to be able to leverage and kind of dive into. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just Chad I'm on Twitter, Chad R. Allen. I'm on Facebook, Chad R. Allen. Um, uh, one of the, the downloads that people um, talk about most that, that I offer on my website is my book proposal template. Hmm. If you're pursuing a book deal, you're going to need a book proposal. And I have a template that, that it makes it kind of a fill in the blanks proposition. Nice. And um, that's available. And that is also helpful, even if you're going to self-publish. Um, you know, I was talking with a, with a ghostwriter who, um, who works with people who are pursuing traditional publishers and self-publishing. He said, when I work with somebody who's going after a book deal, we work on a book proposal. When I work on somebody who's self-publishing, we work on a book plan, but it's the same document. Um, and that's just because the, the work that you do to write a book proposal is going to be extremely useful to you, uh, regardless of which avenue you pursue. So that's available on my website. Oh, beautiful and priceless. Um, any parting words for our audience or our listeners, if you will? Yeah, I would just say every step matters. And, um, you know, if, if you have it in you to, to write a book, if that's something that you want to do, keep taking one step after the other. This is a long arc project. It's, it's incremental work. So it's one of these big tasks that you have to break, break into smaller steps. And when you do that and you, and you start taking those steps, every one of them matters. And so you are listening to this podcast because you want to see a change happen out there. A book could be a very useful tool to help make that change happen. And I hope you'll consider it carefully. So. Absolutely. And as a lead boss, that is definitely an approved lead generation strategy. <laughs> Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me.